At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all-new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello there, boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of Circling the Bases, proudly a part of NBC Sports Edge. I am your host, Colin Henderson. Joining me today, as always, Mr. Christopher Crawford. Chris, we are through week one of the NFL season, and both of our teams are one to know. We don't deserve it, but no. it counts, and I will no. take it all over with. My Giants are one to know for the first time since 2016. You took care of Danger Russ Wilson in the rematch. I mean... This is a good Tuesday. This is, I'm very pleased about how week one went. I still love you, Russell. And for those of you who are watching on the podcast, you can see I still have my love for my boy, yeah. Russ, right over there. Good. But, so you're not one of those yeah. who is booing no. him at the stands? No. And I will say this. Because he asked out, I can justify it a little bit. I certainly wouldn't be booing him because no. of everything he did for this community. I will also say you deserved the win, those Giants, more than the Seahawks did. Oh, mainly no because – I admire the heck out of DeBall going for two on that play. Like, Love I it. think that I, anytime you can go get a W, go get it. You were playing with house money against a, yeah. what should be a good Titans team, although have some question marks. Now we always overreact to week one. I just have to talk about real quick. If I was a fan of the Denver Broncos, okay, I would be scared as heck about who my football coach is right now. Because I'll be honest with you, I only got to watch the last minute and a half of the game. That was enough. That was the worst game yeah. management I have ever seen. And I, I'm not being it's hyperbolic here. It, it, was, it was the worst management to decide for those of you who, for some reason, didn't pay any attention to it. They decided to basically run out the clock to our, with 20 seconds left. And on fourth and five, even though they had three timeouts yeah. left, decided to try a 64 yard field goal and even after he missed and missed bad because Pete yeah. Carroll called a terrible timeout I was yeah. screaming why are you calling a timeout if this goes in then whatever is clever but why in the world would you settle for that you just gave up two first round picks two second round picks mm -hmm. a very good a pretty good tight end a very good interior defensive lineman yeah. to go get your quarterback and you're settling for a 64 yard field goal at sea level. No. Holy crap. This guy might be extremely overmatched. Yeah, it was real bad. Just yeah. real bad on all parts of that. I mean, the, the part that blows my mind is that they had three timeouts. Which yeah. almost is unheard of at this point in the NFL that you had three timeouts with like a minute to go and the <sighs> ball in your hand and somehow the game ends 
and you uh, still have three timeouts. That's oh, almost man. impossible to do in yeah. today's NFL. Yeah. Nathaniel Hackett did it. Congratulations to you, sir. Way to take the LVP of week one. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, just taking the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands uh, makes I, no sense. I just you know, don't get it. You had There was that bad coaching there, and then there was – my head coach making the two point conversion that you yeah. said, yelling at, yelling at, and getting in Daniel Jones's face when he threw that awful pick in the end zone in like the third quarter. I sure. sat there and I stood up and I cheered at the TV. I was like, <laughs> yes, this is the type of stuff that I have not seen since yeah. Tom Coughlin. That's what I want. Accountability. Yeah. That's what I want to see. Yeah. I see. We expect sure. perfection here at this level. <laughs> full, full, uh, uh, remember the Titans quotes yes. here. Like, we expect yeah. perfection at this level. I finally yeah. got some of it. Yeah, so. I mean, and pro- to be honest, too, like a little bit for you, beggars can't be choosers. I don't think things have gone entirely well over Chris, the Chris, that is besides the point. I'm bringing positive vibes <laughs> yes. on the show here. Positive vibes only. I will, Stop bringing I will me say, down with that negativity. By the way, real quick before we get into that Hit sport it. that we're supposed to be talking about, uh, the Joe Judge, Matt Patricia thing, I don't think is going to work out terribly well in no. uh, New England for some no, reason. No, no, you know what? I'm I'm all about it. I'm here, <laughs> yeah, with, the pop- hey. I'm here with the popcorn ready to watch. It's a little schadenfreude. I kind of get it. This year. Yeah. I kind of get it. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think yeah. I speak on behalf of 98% of NFL fans when I think we're all, bo- we're all for that. Coming up on the show today, getting back to baseball, as Chris said, Chris and I have some scorching sluggers to discuss. Another top prospect gets the call up. What these new rule changes mean for the fantasy landscape. And of course, we'll give our final predictions on how the regular season will end. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands, yes, I said that right, thousands this weekend, by predicting what will happen in college football, Major League Baseball, on the NASCAR circuit, and in the Premier League. There is also hundred grand up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Vikings and Eagles in our Sunday Night 7 contest. Hey, guess what? What's that? The Roto World app is back. 
Yeah, it is. And we're pretty excited about it. Uh, so for those of you who have been uh, on the NBC Sports Edge app, mm-hmm. that will be back to the World of World app. We are back on our good stuff. It's great to see. You know, everybody was very excited about that change. Um, it's great. So, yeah, if you haven't downloaded the app for whatever reason, now search for Roto World on wherever you go ahead and get your apps. And we're really, really excited to go forward with that. Yeah, bringing the R word back in a good way, and I'm all for it. Yeah. Let's get to those top stories here. All right, let's talk with um, a guy some people might have heard out there, Mike Trout, uh, well, relatively well-known. Yeah. Um, the future Hall of Famer is kind of on a bender right now, has seven straight games with a home run, one short of the MLB record. He is a, we are obviously recording this on Tuesday night. He plays later tonight. So we're hoping that he gets to the eight. We do not know that at this exact moment. Overall on the year, though, hitting 279 with 35 home runs, 69 RBIs, 72 runs scored, and an OPS right at one, has only one stolen base on the season. So obviously, we look at Mike Trout. He's on a heater right now. If he's in your fantasy playoff lineup, if you are fighting for a championship right now, and he is on that roster. He is making up for (laughs) the injuries that he sustained and then you had to swallow for the first half of the year. But those, I mean, 35 home runs is exactly what you're hoping for. If you told me at the beginning of the year Mike Trout had 35 home runs, I'd be like, okay, that's it's not a bad Mike Trout year. It's not his best, but it's a pretty good Mike Trout year. Everything else still kind of lacking. Like I said, one stolen base, though, hurts it. What do you look at? You're starting Mike Trout in every league. I'm not even having that conversation. But no. what are you looking at with Mike Trout and this recent heater? Has this changed your outlook at all for him when you look at him in 2023 drafts? Uh, I don't think so, but mainly it's because that's a compliment, not an insult to him. Right. And by the way, that game's going on right now, and they are just not pitching to him. He have thrown – the last time I checked, he's seen 13 pitches, and four of them have been strikes. Okay. And he's walked once, and he's flown out twice. We'll keep you updated. I, I don't know why. <laughs> You'll know if he hit the home You'll run know. or not. But You'll I'll know. be I, for those of you who are watching we'll live, get a live Twitch, reaction. We'll, I'm all in. We'll, for that. we'll we'll be we'll be for that. I mean, look. Here's the thing. He's hitting 279 mm-hmm. right now. Coming into the game, he's 278 yep. now after going over two. I think I expect a little more average from him. To be completely honest with you, and I expect a much higher on base percentage because yes. I think he's going to walk. I I just can't see him. He's walked 45 times in 100 games. That's not abhorrent by any stretch of the imagination. I just expect more. I think that they're going mm-hmm. to start pitching around him a little bit more um, next year, especially if he's hitting behind Otani, who, you know, Otani's been great, um, but got off to kind of a slow start, uh, or compar- comparatively anyway. Yep. But look, what he is is what he is. He's going to be a guy who hits right around 40 home runs to 50 home runs. It wouldn't shock me if he – reach that stretch if he's going to be really uh, an all-in towards that category kind of guy, which he might be in his advanced age of 31 years old. But the stolen base days are gone. There's four stolen bases now in two, three years, excuse me. And I know that, look, he only played in 36 games and 2020 season was shortened, but he only attempted two stolen bases in 53 games that year. And he's attempted all of one stolen base so look that puts it behind some guys it just does like it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if he hits 55 home runs and drives in 135 runs he's not going to contribute in the stolen base category when there are some other guys who are going to do that so yeah he's still a first round guy for me like but it's the back end of the first round instead of the top just because of the fact that he's only an 80 percent player compared to some guys who have a chance to be 100 percent 
with the stolen bases, with the health issues, I think we might, I mean, this, this stretch, and if he can finish strong to the end of the year, I think you're looking at a first round back end of the first round pick, right? There is a conversation that he might be a second round pick next year. You might be going for the guys like guys might want, all right. If stolen bases are off the board, maybe Freddie Freeman is suddenly a guy I'd much rather have than Mike Trout. That is a conversation that, we as rankers and and as obviously fantasy managers who will be drafting next year will have to have that conversation. But yeah, the health concern has been such a major factor for Mike Trout over the last few years. We know he we know he has been diagnosed with that back situation that is going to obviously be a part of the remainder of his career as well. We don't know how exactly that's going to play out, but it is a factor. So I'm curious to see if he finishes off the year strong. I think he locks himself right back into the back end of the first round. But right. if he were to slow down, if he were to cool off, if this is the the final hurrah, so to speak, of the 2022 season for him, right. then I, I think there's a chance that we are looking at him as a potential like top of the second round kind of pick, which is something that you just simply could not have thought of three years ago when he was a bona fide top two at worst. It's just different. And I will say this, like, if he does fall to that, let's say you're playing in a 12 team league, that 13th, 14th, 15th pick, you should be overjoyed and overjoyed, jump on it. Right. Because I would love, I would love to grab Mike Trout in the second round if he was he, theoretically there. Look, this isn't a guy who has not played 150 games since 2016. And again, some of that because of the, the 2020 season, he was as healthy as he could. He was, he yep. was going to have maybe his best season, not fantasy wise, but like overall because of. Uh, like the rates, his, his, I believe it was his highest OPS or yeah, if exactly. it wasn't, it was really close. It was a really good year, but he, the fact of the matter is, is he is not, this is not a short-term thing. You are going to have to rely on the rates a little bit more than some guys like Bryce Harper and Freddie Freeman, who you mentioned and those type of guys. But when he's in your lineup, he's capable of doing things that very few baseball players mm-hmm. can. So I think you have to take him in the top 15. And if you wanted to go as high as eight or nine, I wouldn't call you an nincompoop. I wouldn't call you an nincompoop either. But someone who went pretty much universally in first rounds of drafts this year, Bo Bichette, who has not mm-hmm. lived up to his draft day value. Speaking of heaters, he is on Oh, my one. gosh. I mean, oh, my gosh is right. Since the start of September, get ready for these. Bichette is hitting – he's slashing. 5'11", 549, 1.128, with seven homers, 21 RBIs, 14 extra base hits – 15 runs scored in 11 games. That's in 11 games. He's got seven home runs, 21 RBIs, 14 extra base hits, and 15 runs with an OPS of 1.677. I mean, just play. non, I mean, that, that'll play. And, and all of this obviously entering Tuesday, but we know already he has two more hits tonight. So he is the, the bat continues to go on. Look, as I said, he has been a disappointment overall in the year for someone who was, pretty much consistently drafted inside the top five, just about every draft that there was in a points league. He might've fallen to the second round, but either way you spent draft capital on him and you have not gotten it so far. He is in the process of hopefully, especially if you, like I said, if you are already in a fantasy playoffs and a head to head, or if you are fighting for a championship and a full category Roto, like he is finally starting to live up to that billing and hopefully can erase the memory of the first basically four months of the year. Uh, he says he's not trying to be perfect anymore, and that is the thing that has started to get him there, which is a beautiful okay. bit of nonsensory, but sure, yeah. that's great. Yeah. 
Um, whatever it is, you're seeing the ball better and you're hitting it. And I'm all for that. Um, however, the stolen bases are still something that we expected more from him this year. And we have not really seen that. That was a major part of him being drafted where he was at the start of the year. Obviously that is not the case now. So when you're looking at Bichette going into 2023, this heater, obviously going to make his numbers look a little bit better here. The stolen bases still won't be there. How are you valuing him going into drafts next year when you have just such a odd 2020 season in comparison to his 2021? So I'm not taking him in the top three anymore. Like, I don't think you can make that justification. The biggest thing here for me is like the stolen bases. He's attempted 17, nine for 17, real bad. That's not good at all. And here's the thing too. Sprint speed is down to the 53rd percentile. So no, by no means a slow poke, but it's down 20% from yeah. the 74 that he posted in 2021. And I think we all know guys do not tend to get faster uh, unless Bichette's battling an injury that we yeah, don't know about or possible. something like that. But he's been an everyday player, 611 plate appearances coming into the game. All that being said, like I think you can justify taking him in the top half of first round. And he was kind of due for something like this. Like his expected yeah. batting average is in the 91st percentile. His mm-hmm. hard hit percentage is in the 92nd percentile. His expected slugging is in the 83rd percentile, barreling the baseball well above average. I mean, his approach frustrates the heck out of me, but this is this is yeah. what Boba shit is. That is, like, what he, is. is yeah. he is an aggressive player who is an excellent bad ball hitter as well. So like yeah. you're just going to have to – I love to say it, take the bitter with the better in that category. He's just not going to ever be an on-base percentage stalwart. I don't know how many shortstops I'm taking above him, though. Trey Turner? Yeah. Uh, and it'll be some of Trey Turner's value is going to be determined by who Trey Turner is playing for. We know Bo Bichette is going to be a Toronto Blue Jay. We know that lineup is still going to be awfully good and probably will get better um, with some guys who have had some yeah. bad luck years and some guys who are going to get healthy. But I think you're talking about somebody you're taking in the, still in the top six, top seven, just because, yeah, okay, maybe he's only going to give me 10 stolen bases and the rate's not going to be so great, but he's also probably going to hit 300. He's also probably going to hit 30 home runs, and he's also probably going to drive in 100 runs. How many shortstops can you really say that about? Yeah, not many. And, I mean, especially in a world where we look at 2023 drafts and Tatis with his suspension, like right. he would be a guy who would absolutely lock into that spot. Now, obviously, sure. he falls in the draft again. Sure. So, like, there is opportunities for Bichette to still be a top six, top seven first round pick. 100%. Also, would not shock me, though, if people got a little attached to the stats this year, attached to the stolen base issues, and go, you know what? Maybe he's more of a back half of the first. Yeah. But I mean, I could even see a world where he somehow falls to the second if there's a bunch of bitter people in a league and, and they decide that they don't want him. But yeah, so talk I about mean, taking advantage of a situation if you're exactly. but somebody look, who gets I, to do overall that. Overall yeah. outlook for you and I, I'm going to speak on behalf of you here, is that Boba yeah. is going to be a excellent player for the foreseeable future. And I'm not worried. I think what he's showing now is finally, like you said, the flip side of that coin that has been really most of this year where it just doesn't seem like he ever really hit his groove. He is finally hitting a groove and you're starting to see the Bichette that everyone wanted at the beginning of the year. So if he can hold this to the end of the year, one, he might win fantasy championships for people out there. And two, he might completely change the narrative about 2022 into next year. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we do tend to remember the the hot end more than we remember a yes. cold beginning. Yes, we I mean, do. We, that's, we're fickle sports fans. That's just the way things work. But it's also just about talent. Like at one point, 
Bo Bichette was like out homering all but like three teams in the month of September. <laughs> it's just been an absolutely ridiculous run. And that's the other thing with Bo Bichette too, is that like, yeah, you're going to deal with some cold streaks type stuff when he gets hot yeah. and it's, some of it is Babbitt luck and some of it is just talent and, you know, feeling good with the flow with the hair or something like that. When he's hot, he's hot, man. There, there are very few players and this is over now a rather, pretty good sustained amount of time now where he has these couple of weeks or sometimes months where he's just as good as any player in baseball. So, yeah, you know, and one of the things too, like if you're picking him in the back of the round, let's say you pick like 10th and or 11th and Bo Bichette is still there. You know, you have control of whether or not you take him at 11th or you take him at 14th probably. Right. But I would just say this, I would not want to risk losing Bo Bichette on the turn. If you do something like that. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Look, if, this year, this this window is what I think we can continue to expect. He's going to put together a year that's going to be a borderline MVP season within the next two or three, and yeah. I would rather be ahead of that than behind it. Absolutely. A former teammate of his, Jordan Groshans, who gets traded from the Blue Jays to the Marlins at the deadline this year, former top prospect, former first-round pick. He finally gets the call up. He is starting Tuesday night for the Marlins. He joins Josh Young. Corbin Carroll, Oswald Peraza, Gunnar Henderson up in the majors, a, a big a big slew of top prospects getting the call for a cup of coffee here at the end of the year. Hitting 301, 399, 416 with two homers and a steal and 31 games for AAA Jacksonville prior to his call up to the majors. Um, like I said, a former first-round pick. Chris, why don't you give us a little preview of what we can expect, obviously, from Groshans this year and also what you see – for him for uh, the next couple. Sure. So Groshans was a, a personal favorite of mine coming out of that 2018 draft has really dealt with injuries yeah. and when on the field, there's been some pretty darn good stuff. Mm -hmm. My concern with Groshans is he's going to be almost assuredly a third baseman and there's very little power. Like you mentioned that slugging percentage that is not yeah. good in AAA. I'm sorry. That's, that's not 16. a great, yeah. uh, that is not a great MLB slugging percentage in AAA. That is pretty bad. And this is the big concern about him is whether or not the injuries have kind of sapped him of his power a little bit. I think he could be like a right-handed hitting Bill Miller. If you remember him, um, yes, the uh, longtime third baseman, like a guy who can, I think help in the average category and has a pretty solid approach to the play. His baseball acumen gets rave reviews. A guy to keep an eye on in long-term leagues, probably more NL only than redraft. I don't see a path to fantasy success for these final few weeks, but certainly a name to keep an eye on long-term could be a, you know, a corner infield type player. Yep. Um, but, but he has lost a lot of the uh, esteem that he had a couple of years ago. I agree with that. Yeah. No, it, it, the injuries have just been piling on for him and, yeah. you know, we've seen guys come back. They, they're injured for a couple of years. They just have those nagging injuries. They finally get a good swing of health and they finally kind of kick back into gear sure. for the rest of this year though. Jordan Groshans does not need to be on fantasy rosters. No. I've seen a couple people like going to grab. Look, he was on MLB The Show as a, as a rookie card. I know a lot of people <laughs> out there were like, oh, yeah, finally, I get, I get this call up. I'm like, look, that, that's a prospect card on MLB The Show. You, this yeah. is not real life. Let's not lean into that just yet. A little different. Um, he's, look, he's a good player, but I don't see, like you said, a route to fantasy relevance no, this year, not. no. And within the next couple of years, I just don't – unless – that power comes back unless he suddenly decides he's going to be a massive stealer of bases. I don't see him. That's having, the other thing. Right. 
well just below average, uh, well below average runner for a middle infielder. Yeah. Um, well above average runner for a human being, but for a major league baseball player who you know has played shortstop and third base, I mean, you you want those double digit stolen bases right. if you can get them, or you want elite power, and he provides neither. Um, but I'm rooting for him just because this was a guy. Mm-hmm who looked like he was on his way to like maybe being a future star. He had, had a yeah. 909 OPS uh, in his 23 games with Lansing in 2019 before an injury had an 817 OPS in 2021 before another season where he was limited to 75 games. So a chance to come back, but mm-hmm. there's just a little too much risk uh, compared to the reward. Um, we just mentioned stolen bases. Obviously, the new rule changes were just announced this past week, and stolen base is a major factor of them. Let's kind of go through these rule changes a little bit. Let's talk about them from a fantasy lens. Yeah. So, obviously, the pitch clock, let's start off with that there. We know what the – I'm not even going to get into the weird – all of the stipulations around the pitch clock. If you want to look look that up, I highly encourage you to take a a read and and, and bring a calculator with you because it's kind of confusing (laughs) to to keep up with it. But – Obviously, the pitch clock has worked wonders in the minors leagues, has basically shaved off 30 minutes of the average game, which is pretty astounding. Um, Obviously, that will probably not be a full 30 minutes by MLB standards, but you'd have to assume it's still cutting off. It's fine. Split the difference, 15 to 20 minutes a game, if so. like That's still a pretty relevant spot. Um, The shift ban is going to be in play. Have to have four infielders on the infield can't have two can't have more than two on either side of second base um no more four man outfielders no more no more basically second baseman playing shorts uh right field no more of those so i would assume left-handed hitters getting a nice little bump there and obviously bigger bases bases will go from 15 inches to 18 inches and that should hopefully lower down on collisions it'll also take or essentially, if I'm doing the math properly in my head, six inches between first and third base that will now be cut short. That should help on that should help with things like steals for things like slides into the back. So, kind of all of these things encompassing. What is the one that you feel has the most fantasy relevance next year? So, I think it's still the shift, but I want to say I think they may have screwed this up a little bit because. Yeah, you can only – okay, so you have to have two infielders on each side, right? There's nothing that's going to prevent that right fielder or whoever you want from playing in that same spot. So you sure. – may, yeah, okay, so maybe you're technically playing with only two outfielders in this case, but you're still potentially eliminating the thing that they really wanted to get rid of, which was the ground ball that was hit hard through that hole. And, of course, mm-hmm. up the middle it will be a little bit better, and that's the thing. Yeah. I still think it's going to impact batting average. It may not impact batting average as much because I think you're going to see guys playing in that basically a rover position to cut that off, especially if you have a fleet of foot center fielder who can go get the ball into right field. Wait, So in this scenario, are you having the center fielder playing short right field or are you having the right fielder play a short right field with the center fielder playing basically a right center? So like if you were doing the math, like you would have – if you have first and second like this, you have your right fielder playing back here in between those two. And then you have the left fielder shaded into left center field. And you have your center fielder shaded into right center field. These guys are athletic enough that that's not going to make a huge difference. Yeah. Oh, they may, they may turn a couple doubles into triples, sure. but it's more important to turn 
hits into outs. You know what I'm saying? Like that's mm-hmm. a, that is the benefit. So I do think you're going to see that alignment a lot. I think though that the the potential here for stolen bases to go up is there. Now it hasn't really shown up according to the stats. The fact that you can only step off the mound twice now, basically if you're a right-hander, if you're stepping off, that's your pickoff move. Yep. The fact you can only do that twice now and with the fact that there is a pitch clock where you can kind of time things a little bit better on paper, it makes sense. Now it hasn't shown up, but again, you know, teams don't necessarily run at the same rates all the time. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, like if, if you're, Top prospect is uh, a guy that you just don't, you know, can steal 15 to 20 bags. You might limit to him to five to 10 stolen base mm-hmm. attempts because you don't want him to get injured on that play. It is still the biggest risk of the stolen base is not just the out. It's somebody getting hurt. We have seen plenty of guys get hurt on stolen base attempts. It is very frustrating, but I'll still say the shift. But I do think that there is the potential for guys to run more with this uh, with the new pickoff rule. I think the potential is astronomical for stolen bases to be a major comeback next year. I mean, I'm looking at the, the NLB standings or statistics right now. John birdie has 34 stolen bases this year. He leads major league baseball with 34 stolen bases. I think you are talking. I think that number is exponentially higher for whoever leads the stolen bases next year. Could be the idea that you could have a speedy runner at first base, get enough of a aggressive lead to make that guy throw over once, maybe even think about throwing over twice, and now suddenly having the ability to sh- all but have a running start to second base if you're able to go the pitcher into going over to first base twice. Yes. Like that is – well, I think that's going to be great for the stolen base category and great from a fantasy perspective because of the five categories that we play on a standard roto. I don't know how it looks in real life. I'm worried about how that's going to be – when you have important games against good teams late in the games and you have that one designated runner essentially on every team that basically every team holds, and they certainly will next year with this rule, that right. is essentially your job is to go from first base to second base. The and that person is going to have quite a few opportunities now and a much easier route to do so to get that spot. He also can yep. slide towards the back of the bag. Now that the bag is bigger, the bag is three inches closer, which helps that conversation a little bit more. Like all of this is helping the stolen base, which is again, maybe outside of the home run, the most exciting moment of, of a baseball game is when you see a guy book it to second. But I think that that part of this rule, I can just see it being abused pretty prevalently by good teams or by good runners. And I'm just worried about what that means from an on the field product. But fantasy wise, I think all of these are great for the fantasy aspect, the lowering of the shift. I immediately think of just any good left-handed hitter who has just been killed by that second baseman in short right field. That guy doesn't exist there anymore. Right. Joey Gallows, the, you know, the, the Joey Vados, the, you know, Anthony Rizzo's, all of those guys who just continually just ground ball, ground ball, ground ball into that spot. There's going to be suddenly some room for them to hit into uh, where right now there's three. Sometimes we've seen guys get aggressive, almost put four on the same side of the bag just because. So I think all of these are great from a fantasy standpoint. I just wonder a little bit more about the on-field play. But either way, I don't know how you feel just as a fan looking at these these rule changes, but – I'm for them as a fan. 
Like, I think that like, we could talk about the X's and O's. We could talk about fantasy versus reality. We could talk about the product on the field. I think all of this is better for the game of baseball because I think it encourages athleticism. I think it encourages speed. I think it encourages the game moving along. And in today's very crowded sports media market, the idea that you can make baseball a little bit more exciting right in the in the middle of the game i think that only helps yeah i totally agree i think that's really well said i will say um it took me a long time to come around towards um the shift stuff because you know so I, or anti I, the shift and it took me a while to become pro eliminating the shift okay because i just think it's you know, it is something that has existed for a long time. People forget Ted Williams was getting the shift, man. This oh, was yeah. this is this, this is, is not, not something new. Yeah. What is new, however, is pitchers throwing a hundred miles per hour with crazy amount of movement and locating it wherever the heck they want. You just cannot make hard contact to the opposite field. You can't do it. Like, and that's not an exciting play either. Seeing a ground ball to third base that you know, is, is a bit, yeah, it's a hit. Great. You know, it's also not exciting when you watch a slugger put down a bunt down the third. Yeah, base no, you want to like, see that. It makes sense. Rip, I get man. it. But like, that's not what I'm here for. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's, that's a great point too. And I will say this too, as for your point about the pickoff stuff. Yeah. I think teams might abuse it. And this is all of a uh, subjective. Sure. I think, I think the pickoff throw is the most unexciting play in all of baseball. Yeah. It is like Good I would rather watch lefty righty, lefty righty make all the pitching changes you want than a bunch of throws over to first base. It completely kills the momentum of the game. At least especially if you're at the game, right? If yeah. you have that pitching change, yeah, it's not a lot of fun to see a guy come in. But you've at least got like some blaring music going, you've got some mm-hmm. like highlight packages playing. When there's pickoffs going on and you're throwing over seven to eight flipping times, there's nothing. It's yeah. nothing but you going, holy crap, please throw a pitch. Please, please, please well, you're throw skipping, a pitch. You're skipping the almost legal – the legal calling for all the fans to boo regardless of anything. Oh, it's like, so bad. You can throw man. over one time yeah. and you'll get a chorus of boos. Yes. I'm like, there's a, there's a very speedy runner at first base. Yeah. He's got a very aggressive lead. Oh. If it's there ever great, was a time to throw over, it's now. It's a great baseball play. It, it's out. it's an important baseball play. It also, <laughs> you know, it's something to if your if their reliever is not ready, it's a great way to waste time for that guy to get ready. But yeah. it kills. The most important the thing is yeah. not like. And I will say this: I don't want baseball games to be two hours long. That would suck to me. A two-hour baseball game sounds Too miserable long. to me. Yeah. Like that's that's not fun. I. Again, because I'm a person with no children and just have three dogs that are relatively potty trained, I don't have a whole heck of a lot going on. I like the fact that from 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock, I know that I have got something to do. I can watch a Mariner game. A 7 to 9 game, okay, yeah, I can appreciate it every once in a while. That is not what I want. I do well, not I want it to. I don't think we're shaving an hour off of the No. Game. Well, you know what, though? There, there's going to be some games that are going to go awfully quick for some you know what sure. i've been to a mariner game that was an hour and a half as well it was ryan franklin pitching against mark burley it was a one nothing game yeah it was it was a lot of fun it was like 92 minutes uh it was one nothing i'll tell you that much but yeah it was okay. a 92 minute baseball game mark burley just worked like for those of you who don't remember i mean as soon as yeah. ball hand um but i don't want that like a, a two no. hour and 45 minute baseball game or a three hour game is perfectly fine for me but what I don't want is a bunch of standing around. I don't want a bunch of, and that's what people want. 
Nobody complains about the length of football games because, for the most part, a lot of stuff is happening. And, of course, fantasy football has become so popular, it doesn't really matter how the game is played. It just matters if they score them fantasy points. Basketball has a lot of standing around. Basketball games can take a long time. Have you ever watched the last minute, two minutes of a seven-point game in a basketball game? Holy crap. Worse than anything baseball. Exactly. Longer than anything and more annoying and boring to watch than any, especially college basketball. Oh, my God. Those games can be. We don't got time to get into that. I I could rant for 20 minutes on that. But that's the thing is we just want action. We want stuff Mm -hmm. moving around. And that's why I'm so in favor of the pickoff thing, because you take the least exciting play in all of sport. And you take, in my personal opinion, I like the stolen base more than the homer because it's just that challenge thing. It is the, I'm going up against you. You know, I've seen a lot of, I've watched the Seattle Mariners in uh, the 90s, just hit dinger after dinger. Maybe I became spoiled from that. But the most important thing is that you make the game more excitable and more accessible. And I think these rules go towards that. I'm not giving any credit to Rob Manfred. (laughs) Don't give him any. I'm fine with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. Nope. All right, let's get to some uh, let's get to some final predictions for the year. Obviously, we've only got about twenty games left, give or take. Yeah. So let's get to a couple of these, and let's start with um, two of the guys who are 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 making a name for themselves here. Let's start with Albert Pujols. Obviously, on his final year, sitting at six ninety seven, three home runs to go. Does Pujols get to seven hundred home runs? He has twenty two games left to do it but it's more like 21 because there is a double header in there and i assume he's not going to play both legs of it but uh so he's got 21 games essentially to get three home runs we all know the hardest one is getting that 700th guys can sit on 699 for quite a while here fun fact he does get six games against pittsburgh to finish the season (laughs) there with the lead that the cardinals have which i believe was eight and a half entering today those six games would probably all be meaningless games, which means Pujols gets to play all six of them, all at-bats. Um, so does Pujols get four home runs? Does he get three home runs to get to 700? I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. I don't think and there's any doubt either. I, I, the, mainly I'm mainly because of the fact by the number yeah. of people who are still asking that question, like genuinely worried. Uh, yeah. Like, I, and look, get- I, the reason I'd be nervous about it is just because, like, he could go through a cold streak. And the real reason we're nervous about that is he's – He's made it very clear that he is not coming back in 2020. This is his last chance to do it. That's the reason to be nervous. Lots of people have gone through cold streaks and, you know, he's right around the pace of a homer every seven games, I believe. Mm -hmm. So that it's going to be, could be really close, except for the fact he plays the pirates who he literally Albert Pujols has 27% ownership of the Pittsburgh pirates. He owns, he he just, he has just crushed them for so long. And yeah, I know you're technically not supposed to take that into account. It's different every year. Bull crap. I've seen it every year. Albert Pujols, even when the angels didn't play the pirates, he hit three home runs against the pirates. This is just what he has done. And he's going to get every opportunity and major league baseball. That's the big deal. You could see a, um, a, a racket ball start to come out if it's necessary because they really want this to happen. I think, and look, it's going to be whether or not Albert Pujols can do it. And also like, I'll be honest with you. If I'm a Pittsburgh pirate and I'm, uh, you know, one of these pitchers who's, you know, battling for a roster spot at most, I think it'd be kind of cool to give up the 700th home run. Like, I, I think, think, think cool there's a be, real chance that he yeah. gets a Derek Jeter in his final yeah. at that fast Adam Wayne Wright right thing. down yeah. the middle and just yeah. let it so, go. Totally. A Chan Ho Park to Cal Ripken in the yep. All-Star game is the one I remember the most. But 
I, you know what? I, I would kind of like to be remembered as the guy who gave up the 700th home run. You know what I mean? So am I trying to give up a home run? No. Am I challenging him with my fastball? You bet your sweet bippy I am. Yeah. So yeah, right at, the, at the end of the day, I am definitely seeing Albert Pujols. In fact, I'll say he finishes with 702. 702 gets it there in spades. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will say, I think there is a fascinating conversation at the idea that he has like one, I believe his final. So I said, Six games against the Pirates. If I'm remembering correctly, the first three of those are at home. Oh, the idea yeah. that the yeah, idea that he gets 700 at home in his final yeah. in his final home stand that is the stuff that gets me up in the morning. So yeah. I that's what I'm 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 kind of betting on there. And then maybe he gets the 701 or 702 when he when he gets to take on the Pirates a couple more games. But like I'd love to see that, and I think there's something that would be more special if he got it done in Bush rather than elsewhere. So that's what my route is, but I think he gets the 700 as well. The fact that they are going to give him every single at bat, he's going to lead off games. Yeah. Like for the last, (laughs) especially if they've clinched one more at bat, just one more at bat in that game. That's all he needs. Absolutely. Uh, Let's, let's flip over to judge here. Currently sitting there at 55 home runs, needs 60 or doesn't need 62, needs 62 (laughs) to break Maris. Obviously not the home run title, but the American League home run title. American correct? League home run title, which is a nice way of saying the non kind of maybe tainted titles that are out there. Um, he's got 21 games to go, three games against Baltimore, two against Pittsburgh. Only has nine more home games left this season at Yankee Stadium, where obviously he's done a great deal of damage, and that short porch is always welcome to home run hitters. Um, where does Judge end up? 55 right now, 21 games to go. Okay, so I'm looking at the schedule here. Okay. Some of this is going to depend, I think, on if Baltimore is still in postseason contention. Because I'd be, I, I, I don't think they are. I don't think they are either, but let's yeah. just say for okay, sure. S&G that that happens. Okay. So he's got Milwaukee after this series with Boston. Then he's got two against the Pirates, and he's got three in Bo- four in Boston, excuse me, mm-hmm. three against the Blue Jays. So Milwaukee, Toronto, and let's just say for the sake of argument that Baltimore is in postseason contention. Okay. Why in the hell are you pitching to Aaron Judge? That there is, is no reason to pitch to Aaron Judge. I'm sorry. You don't owe – uh, Aaron Judge, the home run record. It is more important for you guys to make the postseason, and those are teams that are fighting for their postseason life. Boston, pretty much out of it. I'm more than pretty much out of it. Like, Entirely out I, of it. I think they're like 0.4% on fan graphs or whatever to make the postseason. It, it's Even not seems high. Yeah, not going to happen. So he's going to have to go on this type of streak where he like he get, does get Pittsburgh. Like That's going to be friendly. Mm-hmm. He has such a good chance to hit a couple home runs against you don't see Contreras and JT Brubaker, who can definitely give up some dingers. Brian Bayos, definitely a guy who can give up a homer. Nick Pavetta, Rich Hill. He's got some friendly matchups here. I think what's going to end up happening, though, is he's going to get to about 58 or 59 end up. Like, he might get a couple in Texas to end the series. I just think because of the fact that he's going to be playing in some relevant games against good teams, he's just not going to see enough pitches to get it. And I yeah. pray I'm wrong. Oh, no, you and I both. But I, I think the thing that's going to matter the most for him here are the people who are around him in this spot. Like you said, yeah. you can get the Barry Bonds treatment, but the Barry Bonds treatment does not help when, say, Giancarlo Stanton is hitting home runs behind him and making you rue it. Right. Or that DJ LeMayhew or 
Andrew Benintendi or Harrison Bader or literally anybody in front of him is suddenly on base. And now you don't have quite as many quote open bases to put Mm -hmm. him. What teams have started to do over the last two weeks has been pitching around him because you can, because what, what are you worried about? Um, You know, Oswaldo Cabrera coming in and, uh, and taking (laughs) a hit. Like that's literally the guy who was batting behind him two days ago. So Like I, you can move around him in that spot, but if suddenly the bases are are filled with people, if there are batters, Rizzo, uh, Stanton, guys like that behind him, then I think you start to see a couple more pitches. And Judge yeah. has shown the ability to hit any pitch. You throw one fat ball over the plate, it's going to go far. Sure. So, oh, and I'm, did I just hear Judge hit a home run the sixth? Hell. Yes. All right. Okay. Let's go. That's another one that make it 56 right. home runs. Thank you, Chad, 56. coming in with the live updates as we're focusing on this year. So he's at 56 home runs now with 21 games to go. I, I think he gets the 63-64. I think there is a spot for him to get up there. I think the Yankees are going to give him every opportunity. The fact that they they took two out of three against the um, Rays the other over the weekend, which Thank obviously you for that, by the way. them to five and a half. In the division, the closer they can get to raising that division lead a little bit more, that will open up, obviously, some more opportunities for him to get some more at-bats, ideally. I think he gets over that spot, but um, I'm also rooting pretty hard for it. Let's keep talking about him one second. Obviously, he's going to win the home runs, and he's going to win RBIs in the American League. Fifth in batting average, though. He's got a shot. Is there Ah. a chance? I think there's a chance. Yeah, I do think there is a chance. Like For the triple crown there. The the it's batting average is such a volatile category. Um, Only twelve points I back think, from Bogarts. So, so he's two for three today um, with that homer, as okay. uh, Chad excellently put out. Did get caught stealing, um, so you know, just a real bummer of a year for him. <laughs> um, I think he's got a shot. It's just <sighs> Bogarts has been so good in the average category, and he's got to think. Luis Arias is another guy that's yep. going to be he's, tough he's, to pass as well. But three ahead of him. Yep. So it's but what would be amazing, like breaking the home run. Oh, here's the craziest thing of all: he might break the American League home run record. He might have the triple crown. He might not win MVP. That's that's a nonsense. <laughs> it's, it's it's a nonsense statement. I, I I will tell you right now, and we don't have time for it. If Chris Crawford was voting, he would vote for Shohei Otani. Uh, we definitely don't have time to get into that because <laughs> we might after this, we might after we hang up on the shot, but we might get into that. Um, so like I said, 12 points back entering Tuesday. Um, from it's a Bogos. shot. It's amazing. Yeah, so it's it's one of the shot ch- yeah. to go up there can we, and get it. Can we do one thing real quick? What's that? Um, do you remember saying that Aaron Judge might regret passing on that $230 million contract? I vaguely remember <laughs> a, a version of me, a version of me that might have said something along those lines. Um, what do you think he get? Well, just say I'll set the over under. I'll, I'll set the over under at $335 million over or under. Over, it's 350 Yeah, I think it's 350 as well. Um, by the way, Pop quiz, who's got more stolen bases, Aaron Judge or Mookie Betts? I think it might be Aaron Judge. It is Aaron Judge, by the way, yeah. for everyone yeah. out there. Um, all right, let's get to some division predictions here. Um, really two divisions still up for grabs, the National yeah. League East and the AL Central. NL East, entering Tuesday, the Mets had a one-and-a-half game lead over Atlanta. Um, the Mets have the second easiest remaining schedule in baseball. Atlanta has the ninth easiest remaining schedule in baseball, including seven games against Philly remaining. 
These two teams face off against each other in a three-game set from September 30th to October 2nd. Chris, if you had to, you had a couple shekels to throw down here, who do you feel more confident in rest of year? Who's winning the National League East and getting that second seed, the Mets or the Braves? Man, it's so close to me. And I think Atlanta, if it was just, if they were tied right now, and if it wasn't that scheduled that you just mentioned, I think Atlanta's the better baseball team. I really do. And that's no insult to the New York Mets. They are a very good baseball team. I just think Atlanta's a little bit more complete baseball team right now. And it sucks to say, uh, not sucks to say, I'm going to go with the Mets, though, just because of that schedule. Like, they're going to get three. Although, you got to keep in mind, the Mets had a chance to clean up against some really bad teams and did not take advantage of it. I was about to bring that up. Yeah. And, And so that's something to say. Of course, Atlanta, I mean, did you get a chance to watch that Mariner game on Sunday? Yeah. Oh, my God. I was hooting and hollering Julio Rodriguez. I, I, I love you. He real I, good. I, he real I, good. Really, really, really good. But that's the he, thing. It's, it's just, just the, the other yeah. factor in here is yeah. the fact that Atlanta knows what they're doing. The Mets in this scenario have really Perfect. only known collapse over the last yeah. like six years at this pot. So, and the fact that we've seen them not close up against bad teams over the last few weeks only increases the poundage on their shoulders when it comes to them getting it off of it. So fortunately, Buck Showalter is at the helm. He is about about as good a manager out there who could hopefully get this ship over the finish line, finish line. but yeah. I am worried about the Mets in that scenario. I think the Braves, again, that three-game series from September 30th to the 2nd is going to be fascinating. Oh, it's But I think great. the Braves – I think the Braves catch up and take over this spot. I think the Mets are kind of wobbly a little bit. And you know what? If there ever was a time for the Mets to show that they're not the Mets of old, yeah. it's now. So yeah. this is the time where they have the opportunity. But I think Atlanta catches up to them, and the Mets take the top wild card. Let's flip over to the Central quickly. Entering Tuesday – Cleveland is up three games on the White Sox and five games on Minnesota. Hey, remember a former version of you that said, oh, Minnesota, absolutely a good team. Like Man, totally on board, totally Totally fell apart. Yeah, fell I, apart. And it, it, it breaks my heart a little bit too because the Twins and the Tigers both tried. And look, the, the version of Detroit is much worse. Like they've been among oh, yeah, the yeah. worst baseball teams in the Period. sport. But Minnesota falling apart after having such a good offseason and such a good trade deadline, too, yeah, like getting those guys. Trade deadline. And, and justifiably so. They just, I mean, they have just not been able to put anything together. To answer your question, I think the Guardians are going to win this. And it's, I mean, <laughs> I, we have to talk about this real quick. It is absolutely asinine that baseball has created a playoff system where it is going to be more valuable to be the sixth seed than the fifth seed. Because instead of having to play, um, especially with no reseeding, if you want to do this and do reseeding, I'm totally fine with it. Just reseed it. And and why isn't there reseeding? Has has anyone explained why that there isn't? It just, it is asinine that the, the playoff seed that you would want, like if you're the Seattle Mariners, and you don't get that fourth seed. And I think they will get the fourth seed. I think they will actually end up on top of Tampa Bay and Have Toronto. the easiest remaining schedule in all of baseball. In all of baseball. And Tampa Bay and Toronto are just going to cannibalize each other over, yeah, over these Yeah, they play each games. other a couple times from now yeah, They've game. got a five-game series going on right yeah. now. Um, but if you're the Seattle Mayors, let's say you got that – you could have either the five seed or six seed. 
you could either have to play in Toronto, which, by the way, would be very bad for Seattle because Robbie Ray is unvaccinated, mm-hmm. and then go play the Houston Astros, or you can be the sixth seed, play the Guardians, who are an objectively worse team than any of those teams that we have just mentioned, and play the Yankees. Much easier pass being the sixth seed. Yeah. All due respect to the Yankees, I'd much rather face New York in the in the ALDS no question. in Houston. Right no question. Now. I'd rather face and, the Yankees than the Astros. <laughs> and so that doesn't make any sense to me, but I do think Cleveland is going to get there, and I would imagine that I will not be um, laying down very much money on them going far in the postseason, but I just think that they are the team that has the most favorable odds going forward, and because Minnesota has just completely collapsed, and the White Sox, I just don't believe in that roster enough right now. I'm going to go with uh, Cleveland to win it. I was going to say Cleveland, but you know what? Now that Larusa is not the manager of the White Sox, oh, that's a great point. And they've gone seven and three in their last ten. <laughs> this might be point. finally the time where Chicago starts looking like the team that many of us thought was easy money at the beginning of the Addition year. Addition by subtraction. Um, three games back, Chicago has the twenty fourth easiest, twenty uh, fourth hardest schedule remaining. Okay. Cleveland has the twenty fifth, and Minnesota has the twenty sixth. Oh, so basically <laughs> negligible between all three of them. Yeah. It is it is truly a whoever wants to be the best can be the best. Um, like I said, Chicago three games back entering today. I might I might put some extra money on if Chicago. the odds like, are. If, I think if the odds are probably in a good spot. I don't have those odds in yeah. front of me right now, but sure. I think Chicago is a that team is relatively healthy. I'd love to see Luis Robert be healthy right now. His oh, his too. stop start has been painful to to watch, but Eloy Jimenez finally looks good. Yeah. Uh, Lance Lynn is starting to finally look like his old self. He's right, has a Seattle ERA sub part. two over his last six games. So like, these are all of the things that are finally starting to get to look like the Chicago team that we expected at the beginning of the year. Right. I'm going to say Chicago takes home the central. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't completely shock me by the way. I'm looking at Minnesota's schedule right here. They've got three against the Royals. Very winnable. And they got a five-game series in Cleveland. That that'll be your there put is. up or shut up thing. One of and them's gonna knock out. Yeah. And, and here's the problem for unfortunately for uh, what Minnesota's got going on right now is you just don't know who's going to start these baseball games. Yeah. Like they're starting pitching. Unfortunately, the Tyler Malley injury was just yeah, it's rough. Such a bummer, man. Because they made such a good deal to get that guy. And I will pick Minnesota to win that division next year, especially if they can get Carlos Correa back. I don't think that they will but uh if they can make another addition to get a shortstop mm-hmm. not as good as him but of his ilk i'll like them a lot uh, but this will be interesting I, this division sucks someone's so gotta much, win it man. i mean it's so and this is we've got to stop relying on geography to determine baseball stuff man it's just so silly we saw again all due respect to miguel cabrera we saw the greatest player of our generation lose mvps simply because of geography, and that's dumb. No argument here. Uh, let's let's end up quick with some uh, final awards predictions. Look, okay. you, I mean, you, you're going to make the comment that Shohei Otani overtra- overjudged. It's a nonsense. It's really close. It's a it's, very – you know what? Well, you're going to be disappointed. The betting odds give you none of that because yeah. Judge is a minus 1450 to win yeah. MVP. It, Shohei is basically close. even money. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, um, that's so wait, that doesn't that? make any sense. How could if he's minus four fifteen fifty? No, let me let me confirm. Let me confirm okay. before right. you uh, okay. jump in okay. the throat here. But like, okay. if I have, okay. ba, 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 
AL MVP, Shohei plus 700, excuse me. Okay, that makes much more sense. Okay, I was like, even odds in minus four, is everyone else a billion to one to <laughs> win this zero, yeah. And you know what? They might as well be. Because they might as well be. It's irrelevant it's at this point. Two it's a two-horse race. Ultimately, um, I think Aaron Judge is going to win. Yeah, I would agree there as well. Goldschmidt going to be a lock for NL MVP. No one's touching that one here. I don't think that's necessarily completely true either. Minus 2,200 oh in the betting odds. Gosh, that's – and Nolan Arenado behind him at plus thirty five hundred, and Freddie Freeman at plus thirty five hundred. I, I would be awfully tempted. You have three hundred and fifty to one odds. Yeah, I would be without, awfully would tempted. Money on them. I would be awfully tempted to bet money, just because on I think one? people are. Arenado, man, Arenado has been really good. Everybody talks about defense until they don't have to talk about defense yeah. anymore. So look, I I get it. I would just say this, like. Those MVP odds aren't necessarily speaking to beat writers, but um, no, they certainly are not. I would, I, if I was going, betting odds, if yeah. I was just going to bet on the two, then yeah, those would be the guys that I would bet on, and I would be totally fine, beyond totally fine with them winning. But Nolan Arenado has been since so good with the glove and such a good offensive player as well. And Paul Goldschmidt hasn't been like a horrible first baseman, but like. The difference is palpable. Of course, the difference in offense has been pretty substantial too. That's been relatively substantial as well. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Cy Young here quick. Um, American League really looking like a two-horse race with uh, McClanahan going down, which was a super bummer. Yeah. Dylan Cease at minus 140. Justin Verlander at even money. Obviously, Verlander still not coming back from the spot. He, had the, he was in pole position for this award, and now Dylan Cease is kind of – maybe nudged in front, but where do you take it? If you, you have to pick one of those two for AL Cy Young, who are you vibing? Man, that's really close. I think I go with Cease just because of how good he's been down the stretch, but man, you could make an argument. You could make an argument too for Kevin Gossman, who is technically the sure. leader in, uh, in BF war, excuse me, if, for any American league pitcher, but just because of how good, Cease has been as of late. I think the memory is going to be a little fresher. I'd probably vote with Ver- for Verlander because I think he's been the most consistent option of those three guys. But if I was going to bet, I think it might be Cease. I think I'd go Cease there as well. Look, if Verlander could have stayed healthy from now to the end of the yeah. year, got a couple more starts in, I think this is Verlander's award, especially sure. coming off of the injury and all of the the narrative surrounding him. You really could have swung that. Uh, National League style, Sandy Alcantara is the favorite. Uh, minus 210. Max Freed and Julio Arias are 7-1 to one behind him. Zach Gallen, plus 850 behind them. Is it Alcantara's award, or do you feel somebody else uh, could go up there and grab it? I think it's Alcantara's award. Where's Carlos Rodon on that? Carlos Rodon is... Man, because he's... I mean, he is the guy who is leading He is all... not in the top seven of them. That's sad that because this is guy the literally the guy he's who has the, the highest 10 of them <laughs> he's got literally the best war of any pitcher in baseball right now according to fan graphs and oh no no i see i see him here he's a uh, plus a hundred plus fifteen thousand excuse me good great i want, I want to I make mean, sure that i had all the zeros proper he, he would be my second place vote but Look, innings matter here, and Sandy Alcantara reached 200 innings today, a stat that you're just not going to see a whole nope. heck of a lot of anymore. I think it has to be him, in part two, because of just how flipping consistent he is every day every. writing about, it seems like him, seven innings, two runs, 
eight yeah. innings, two runs, eight innings, one run. It just, you don't see that from pitchers very often right now. All due respect to Aaron Nola, who some people might look at his win loss record. Please do not look at win loss records. Um, but yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, um, it should be Alcantara's, and I have zero issue with that. Now, are you going to have any issue with me saying Julio Rodriguez is a lot for AL? <laughs> you know yeah, I'm not. You, you've thrown I, some. You've thrown some uh, unnecessary jabs out here. I want. I'm just trying to get embrace some debate. <laughs> man. I heard people make a lot of money doing that. No, um, they do. I, I don't. For the record. I don't think it's close. All right, I, the I, National yeah. League Rookie of the Year. Then let's finish with that one. Yeah. Spencer Strider currently the favorite at minus one forty five. His teammate Michael Harris. At almost even money, minus Ooh, 105. That's so um, close. Those are the two heavy favorites so far. If I'm scrolling through, yeah, say, yeah, that's it. And then Say Suzuki at plus 25,000 after that. Wow. So it is a Strider versus Harris award here. Which yeah. one are you giving the nod to? I'll go with the hitter. I, I personally, I'll, I'll do respect to Spencer Strider, who has been. So fantastic, and I will not want to face that dude in the postseason. Hopefully, I don't know if I swing. To be completely honest with you, I hope that he just no. has horrific command and just uh, can put some guys on on base via free pass. It, the tough thing here, I guess, a little bit too, is that I guess they both were kind of later call ups, but yeah. but Michael Harris has just been so good and provided such nice defense for them. It's really kind of been a savior for them in a where it looked like their outfield was going to be loaded. Not really. <laughs> it has been a, a big thing for them. Spencer Strider has been a big helper as well. I wouldn't doubt if Spencer Strider won, especially if he has another like 14 or 15 strikeout. But if I was voting, I'm going with the guy who's playing every day in Harris. I think Michael Harris wins the award because I think rookie, I think pitchers are just inherently handicapped when it comes to this award in particular, when they have You're to go right. pitcher versus hitter, which obviously Cy Young and MVP you rarely have to do any of that. Right. So I agree. I think Harris is the smarter bet here. I think Harris is the one who probably wins it short of Spencer Strider, just like just essentially grabbing the award and running away with it over yeah. the, like over his next few starts. Sure. But, Spencer Strider, I mean, what a, we're going to talk, obviously, over the next few weeks about 2023 outlooks and keeper conversations and all the rest of those. Spencer Strider going to be a hot topic on a lot oh, of those God. shows because, you wow, bet. I want to talk about what his future is and how we should start viewing him in sure. a 2023 lens. Good call. But that just about finishes up our show for today. If you enjoyed the show, then make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss an episode in the future. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. Love those five stars. And while you're at it, be sure to follow NBC Sports Edge on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch to be informed of all of our live shows, Q&As, segments, articles, and more so you can stay up to date on everything around the league and join in on the action. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Don't Lie, and you can follow Chris at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Be sure to tune back in Friday morning for DJ and Drew as I'll have a fresh new episode for you as you look to secure that championship, so make sure you don't miss it. Until then, stay safe out there, and as always, thanks for the listen. No, Chad, I don't think Edwin Diaz gets any first place votes for Cy Young, but if any reliever deserved it this year, it'd be that guy. Okay, love you, bye. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. 
Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.